0: That's solid. That's not veneer, that's solid stuff.
1: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
0: And now, an ad from Dad. All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what, man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
1: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or
2: situations. Welcome everyone to another episode of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Teporek and we have a great episode for you today. We're going to talk about some of the declined fourth year options, go over some big injuries from the past few days. Also talk about a three-team trade that appears to be dead for now and then wrap things up with our crushes of the week. Before we get underway, I wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews, we would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at Sports and for their NBA content at Fan Rag NBA, Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two?
1: It's going well, Brian. I'm looking at Kyle Kuzma's stats, and I'm putting it up against Lonzo
2: Ball, and I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> there is nothing better
1: Styles excludes in-store clearance.
2: By saying Kyle Kuzma is better than Lanzo Ball, I'm convinced of that. And we, we will talk Kuzma in a little bit, because the Lakers had a pretty notable injury this week. Sarah, how's yeah. it going with you?
3: Pretty well, thank you. I'm sore and trying to figure out why. <laughs> it's like, I've hit that age where it's like, I didn't do anything. What happened? Why are my muscles hurting? But So that's disheartening but other than that i'm good
2: yeah i uh, i went on a run thursday and i'm feeling it two <laughs> days later and i'm turning 30 in a month so i'm thinking that this is really just the start of my body's yeah. immediate decline i'm, I'm <laughs> just
1: waiting for you guys to join the dark side here <laughs>
3: you No,
2: know, it's, it's awful i could i could barely move yesterday and it was mm. a three mile run like i've been doing all the time i really don't know what happened um before we get underway I wanted to say, Mort, two episodes ago at the end of the episode, you reviewed Thor Ragnarok, and you were not pleased with it. Mm. I went to go see it yesterday. I'm going to say we can never trust Morton's opinions on Marvel <laughs> movies again. It was enjoyable. It is worth going to see.
1: Oh, come on. You, you, didn't, you didn't think it was just a little bit loaded with bad humor?
2: yeah it was like there's no emotional connection but i don't care like it's a superhero movie <laughs> I right, but that, differ- <laughs> that's
1: where we differ though like yeah. that's that's so you know i mean i don't go into like a superhero movie for laughs that's not my prerogative like i go into buy into that whole superhero mentality that's what i want like i know what i'm going into with deadpool like that's yeah, laughs yeah, okay. and stuff like that the action is secondary there but for thor it was just there's so many jokes were lame and by the way just before you crap on me too much i did say people should go watch it because support of superhero movies yeah. is just needed but
3: you know um except americans because it costs so much right. oh yeah right right <laughs> that was that, was, yeah, that, that actually...
2: really caught me off guard i was yeah, very I paid surprised 13 bucks it was well worth it
1: yeah i mean for a matinee if if you if you like bad humor then good on you brian <laughs>
3: So clearly we're in the wrong business. We should be talking movies on this podcast. Really? I actually
1: yeah. I actually just recorded a podcast about movies with two of my Danish friends. That was a dummy podcast, so it's not going to be offline yet, but we're developing a Danish podcast mm-hmm. where we talk about movies and TV shows and games and stuff like that. And we were like, hey, we, we should just record for like an hour, maybe an hour and ten. And when we wrapped up, it was like, oh we just we just shot an hour and 55 (laughs) so yeah there you go danes who are listening in i'll be coming out with something soon and it's gonna be hella long
2: (laughs) get excited for that all right let's (laughs) turn our attention to basketball i guess uh we need to briefly shout out the one and only lebron james you know uh there are a lot of questions as Morton and i discussed on the last episode about the Cavaliers, then they went out and lost to the Pacers. Four straight losses. Big nationally televised game against the Wizards on Friday. The Wizards, as they are wont to do, started talking trash and saying, they're the best team in the East, they're not scared of the Cavs, blah, blah, blah. LeBron James responds with 57 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, two threes in 43 minutes. Mm. Shoots 23 of 34 from the field. The Cavs win 130 to 122. Just a reminder, LeBron James is still the best basketball player on the planet. We, you know, Russ is the rating MVP. Kevin Durant's the rating finals MVP. You both think Kawhi Leonard was the MVP last year. LeBron James is still the best player on the planet until further notice. I just, like, we should just appreciate him because, you know, he, he's turning 33, I believe in December. Like this is not going to last forever. So like, Let's or is
0: get...
2: it yeah right <laughs> unless he is actually a basketball robot which I am not ruling out at this point <laughs> uh, I just want to make sure we are giving credit where credit is due because we don't know how long he's going to be able to do things like this so naturally Skip Bayless somehow unbelievably found a way to poke fun at him still he was like funny how he shot two airballs late in that game it's like dude shut up well, this shtick what... is so yeah. old yeah, just, that's how he no. earns
1: his money, and it's horrible. <laughs> you know, a, a couple of episodes back, we all we went political. We'd start to, yeah. We started to talk about Trump and the whole Stephen <laughs> Curry thing, and you guys asked me, like, are, are people across the pond laughing at Americans? No, yeah. I, and I said no, no but I'm, we are all laughing at the way that you guys are consuming <laughs> sports media yeah. because that type of personality over here would, just wouldn't fly, like at all. That's just a non-starter. That guy would get ripped off the air just (laughs) just for being an idiot all the way through. So that's one area where I've got to take that back and say, yeah, (laughs) rally America and decide as a unit to go against Skip Bayless and the likes of him to just enhance your media experience. You you'd thank me later, I think.
2: I, I think we actually have, as Richard Deitch of Sports Illustrated repeatedly tweets anytime... Skip goes on one of these stupid LeBron tirades. He always tweets out, "Oh, the, the skip ratings!" Tweet, and then the the ratings of like oh, bubble yeah. bubble guppies <laughs> or like an old movie on AMC, and they're always better than the Skip Bayless led Undisputed. So we have made that choice. Good job, uh, America. Continue I'm to glad. ignore that idiot. That's right. This is just oh my god. I forgot. Just about wanted that to get that off our chests. Uh, so we need to turn our attention though. The big news of the week, the ex- uh, the deadline. Both, uh, or actually for fourth year uh, contract options was on Tuesday, on Halloween. There were actually a couple surprises in terms of players who did not get their options picked up. We mentioned one of them Tuesday in passing, uh, just as, as a note that his option had yet, not yet been picked up. Turns out the Philadelphia 76ers did not pick up Julio Luka for fourth year option the yeah. Orlando Magic did the same with Mario Hazonia and the Milwaukee Bucks. More Did your boy Rajad Vaughn dirty? Also did not pick up his option. So uh,
1: I get it. I still think he's good though.
2: <laughs> so let's, we need to briefly talk about all three and figure out what's next for these guys. So let's start with Okafor. Uh, Sarah, I'm going to start with you here. because So first of all, if Let's assume Okafor, hypothetically, let's say he gets bought out. There is talk that his most likely landing spot is the Celtics. I know a lot of people would also like to see him end up on the Spurs just because the Spurs have this unbelievable ability to turn anyone into a quality rotation player. Do you think, regardless of where he ends up, he has the potential to turn into that type of a player, or is he just... Is it too far gone? Has you know, is he such a relic of the past that no matter where he goes, it's just not going to happen for him?
3: Well, I definitely think he has the potential to have a greater impact than what he's had in Philadelphia. Somewhere else, Um, obviously, it has a lot to do with opportunity. We've also discussed that, you know, yeah, his style of play. There's a definite ceiling on what you can accomplish right now in the NBA with that style of play. But I could see him going somewhere. Of course, this he, this idea may not fire him up, but um, to go somewhere and hopefully still get good minutes, but maybe be one of those guys we've pointed out before, like uh, Monroe, who kind of can come off the bench and be a, a scorer in the post against these backups who... He has his you know, that's his niche, you know, Mm -hmm. he can kind of lead a second unit in scoring in that way, Um, hopefully get to a point where, you know, maybe he's not going to be a fantastic rim protector ever, but kind of what Powell can do where, you know, as long as he kind of sticks near the rim and people come into him, he can maybe block (laughs) a few shots, And, and that's really, I think, what you hope for. I don't think you want to put the projections up a lot higher than that, but... I definitely think he could have an impact as a guy who gets, I don't know, maybe twenty minutes a night off the bench, uh, scoring in the post.
2: Yeah, I I buy that too. I've said it before. You guys you guys make fun of me because I have admittedly crapped on him a lot in the last <laughs> couple of years, but I do believe he could be a productive player. It just obviously is now officially not going to happen in Philadelphia. Uh, more so, I you know when when the option got declined every major sports website aside from Fox Sports because they only have video now and don't have any written content. Good job by you, Fox Sports. Every other place that actually values writing immediately came out with a where should Okafor end up, who should trade for him, what should they give up. Do you think it makes sense for a team to trade for him?
1: Well, I mean, if it's a second rounder that you can afford to lose, then I wouldn't mind. Because here's the thing. A lot of teams wouldn't give up anything because they think, okay, we can get him in free agency next summer. But let's look at a list here. He's 21, or let me list something, I should say. He's 21 years old. He's averaging 14.7 points and 6 rebounds for his career in just 26 minutes. He's also over a blocker a game. I know his defense is bad, but at least there is a shot-blocking presence in him. His free-throw shooting has never been abysmal. It hasn't been down on DeAndre level, uh, you know, DeAndre Jordan levels. It's 67-68, could easily improve up to becoming, you know, 72-75%, which means theoretically, he could be in the game at the the end of games. He's also somewhat efficient, scoring over 50% from the field. So there is an element of potential and production that goes hand-in-hand with this guy. Now, that's attractive for a lot of reasons, but if you have like four or five teams in the summer who are looking at that list and going, you know what? That checks a lot of boxes for us. So I'm, we are interested in this guy. Then you're going to find yourself in not a major bidding war because it's not gonna, it's not gonna be like huge contracts being thrown out, you know, from right and left. But you are going to be in a bidding war nonetheless. Whereas if you trade for him now with a second rounder or whatever have you. And you give him minutes and you tell you know, you kinda of save him from this situation and you put your trust into to the fact that he can help you on the court, then I think he's the type of guy who's gonna look you in the eye afterwards and say, Thank you, I'm gonna stick around. So I think there's merit to the idea of trading for him based on you know, the fact that you're actually saving him from something.
2: Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. I mean, obviously it all depends on what a team would be willing to give up, I don't mm-hmm. think. The Sixers are not getting a first-round pick for him. I don't care oh, no. what the protections are; it's not happening. That dream needs to die. Uh, in all likelihood, they would have to take salary back, which they do not want to do. So, it's going to be hard to find a suitable trade for both sides. The reason I am skeptical about a trade, even for a second-round pick, is a thing that ESPN's Bobby Marks has pointed out, among others any team that trades for him is limited to his paying what his option would have been. So $6.3 million as his starting salary next year. So more, I think there's, there is merit to what you said about, you know, giving him minutes this year might engender some loyalty and make him want to stay. And I don't think, you know, I would be surprised if when he becomes a free agent, if he gets an offer, in the 6.3 million dollar range so that might not be as restrictive as it sounds but you know that's another factor to consider and that's frankly something that like further devalues him on the trade market so you know maybe the sixers can get like a top whatever top 40 protected second round pick like you know a pick that is guaranteed to be lower in the second round i i just I have a bad feeling that he's going to be rotting on the bench all year because they don't want to buy him out. They don't want him to go, especially to Boston, a team that they're going to be, you know, competing with in the Atlantic Division and the Eastern Conference, both this year and in years to come. So if they, if they could like somehow make him promise he wasn't going to go, if they, you know, if they could promise he was going to the Spurs or going to the Western Conference, maybe they'd buy him out, but. I don't know. I I have a bad feeling that he's going to spend this year mostly on the bench just as an absolute insurance policy in case Embiid suffers another long-term injury.
1: There there are a couple ways to get around the contractual issues, though. Let's say you're a team uh, who's going to be under the cap next summer. Then you could renounce him and re-sign him to a larger value. Can you? I'm pretty sure that you can renounce him. I think it's because you have his rights that you're limited. Mm. Then you could renounce him and sign him with with raw cap space. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty certain that's allowed.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, re- like again, regardless, I don't think he's going to get six point three million no, dollars. in nice, right? Salary. So, and if like, some
1: team does offer something ridiculous, yeah, you know, then then that's the thing. If you then just offer up a second rounder, then you can sort of live with that. You can right. live with losing that if yeah. if push came to shove. So yeah, he the the first round draft pick talk as you said that's dead and gone, <laughs> and the idea that you would get like a productive young guy, as well, no, dead and buried. So yeah. it's gonna be like a maybe even like a, you before we started recording, you mentioned one of those the, a fake second rounder, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. a top fifty five protected pick, and then you know maybe rights to guys who never come over, something like yeah. that. But I am pretty sure you can get a rounded contractually. In, on, yeah. in some capacity.
2: Yeah, uh, right. We all know that Brian Colangelo likes fake draft picks, so maybe he would be down for that again. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move to Mario Hazonia, another guy, a fellow top five draft pick in the 2015 class. Uh, he just has not seemed to find his footing in Orlando. So, Sarah, I'm going to ask you the same question about Hazonia as I did with Okafor. Do you think the ship has sailed on him, or do you think he could be productive elsewhere?
3: I think Kazunia is a really interesting, really interesting guy. Um, there's a potential, possibly stretch big or you know small forward who I, I think I'd like to see him at the four. But uh, there's somebody there who you know he can hit the three. It's just he just hasn't had a lot of minutes. You know, both he and Rashad Vaughn who we'll talk about in a minute, are guys who have potential, but they make sense as guys whose options were declined simply because where they are, their minutes have dropped each of the last three years. So, you know, I'd love to see both of them move on to somewhere where they can hopefully get an opportunity to show what they can do. um, the thing you hope is that their development hasn't been dormant just because their playing time has dwindled, um, I don't know, you know, how much they've been able to carry on uh, and add to their games, but hopefully they have, and when they get a chance, they can show it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, he's, I mean, super small sample, but he's 7 from 13 from 3-point mm-hmm. range this year, so, like, he he can hit the 3. Uh, as you said, I, I think at least playing him at the 4 sometimes would be really interesting, but... Mm-hmm. For once, the magic are actually letting Aaron Gordon play right. in the four, so <laughs> which is good, <laughs> right? Yeah. If we're doing that trade off, I'd rather see Aaron Gordon get those minutes full time. That's fine. Just let Hazonia go. More is—is is there any team that jumps out at you that could really use a guy like Hisonia next year?
1: Uh, I mean, we're only going off the way rosters are currently constructed, and mm-hmm. I, I have to say the Bulls because they have probably the weakest small forward rotation in the league. And they could use some some athleticism and size. Right now they're starting six foot four David Nawaba at the three. Um, that I, he's he's done well, admittedly, but that's not a long term solution. And otherwise it's Paul Sipser who is just the polar opposite of athletic. Um, <laughs> so I I think that would be a team that's interesting because they're still on the rise. They want to. Or not on the rise, but they right now they're going down. <laughs> but they want to be on the rise, right. and then they they are trying to rebuild. So they're gonna you they're gonna need some young talent to kind of fit in with the whole Laurie Markin an era. Mm-hmm. So that would make a lot of sense to me that his Sonya lands in a spot where he would get minutes and where the key focus is development. However, my personal preference would be the Spurs. I would love to see his Sonia, especially. Like, we, we're talking about Jalil Alkafor for San Antonio, but his Sonia is, like, my guy for the Spurs. Athletic, can shoot. Uh, it's not American, which Pop loves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be honest. Like if, if, if you know, if, if Pop hears about, you know, two players who are basically equal, but one is American and another one is, like, French or whatever... He's gonna go the other route. He just is. That's just his his way of doing things. And uh, Mario, I think, would just fit in so well with the Spurs, especially because of his youth and athleticism, which they have needed for a while. And mm-hmm. Sarah's idea of playing him as a small ball four, I'm in love with that idea. That would work so well.
2: Yeah, I, basically, I feel like any player who needs a fresh start, the Spurs, <laughs> yeah. or I mean, frankly, the Celtics are going to be in that list too with Brad Stevens there, but. I think the bottom line for all three of these guys, and we'll talk about Rashad in a minute, uh, you need opportunity and you need good coaching more than anything else. Like, you know, in Orlando and for Okafor and Philly, like, they just didn't have the opportunity because they were so log jammed positionally. You know, like, the Pelicans could make sense because they also have a pretty weak wing rotation, and then Boogie, who knows if he's going to be there past this year, but... You know, I, I don't know, we also don't know if Alvin Gentry is going to be there past this year, so it's harder to project whether Hazonia would be a fit moving forward. Um, that said, him next to Anthony Davis could be really interesting. I also, you know, like the Brooklyn Nets just always are on the hunt for young talent, especially, mm. uh, you know, former lottery guys. It's working out pretty well for them with D'Angelo Russell so far. I could see him. Fitting in there and having a chance to actually compete because I think Damari Carroll will only have one more year on his deal after this and he could kind of slide into a similar role. You know, I think for all three of these guys, I wouldn't call any of them like lost causes. I think each of them have the opportunity to make a long NBA career still. It's just they ended up on the wrong teams at the wrong times. So, Uh, Sarah, let's let's move on to Rashad Vaughn, Um, Milwaukee again declined his option, so he'll be a free agent next year. Are there any teams that stand out as good fits for him?
3: I haven't really thought about it, so I probably will throw this to Morton here in a second. Who needs a shooting guard? Everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Except Milwaukee. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I want. Rashad won on Atlanta. Ooh. Uh, under okay. under Coach Bud. I think that yeah. would make a lot of sense because right now Ken Basemore and Marco Bellinelli are sharing, mm-hmm. you know, that position. Basemore offensively has just been it's really struggled, uh, especially from deep as well. Uh I, I, and I think Atlanta as well were trying to build something up and new and, and trying to go a little bit younger. They could use a guy who is just a soul breaker. Like Rashad mm-hmm. Vaughn. And, and coming in under, yeah, Coach Bud again, who is, comes from the Spurs coaching the tree and everything, I just think he would benefit so greatly from, from it. Um, so the Hawks is, are, is the team that I'm looking for, for Rashad Vaughn specifically. But like you guys said, shooting guards, I mean, who can't use the shooting guards these days? It's just a position that is have become a little bit obsolete because you're just playing big point guards primarily as the two nowadays.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, I love the Atlanta fit. I was thinking Dallas, we don't know what's happening with Seth Curry after this year. So that could be a spot. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And under Rick Carlisle, I know his history with younger guys is not pristine, (laughs) but you know, hopefully getting a shooter off the bench behind Wes Matthews or yeah, if they re-sign Seth Curry, and putting him next to Dennis Smith Jr. could be really interesting. Um, Phoenix too, maybe. Like, it, they're clearly pivoting into a youth movement. You're not, <laughs> you're not supplanting Devin Booker in the starting lineup, or having Rashad come off the bench, could be pretty interesting. Especially that you know expectations are not going to be super high for this Phoenix team for the next couple years, despite their sudden resurgence this year uh so that there's at least a potential fit there um i guess the knicks too but i don't want to i don't want to do that to anyone so (laughs) i it, it on paper it would be a fit but i hope rashad uh finds a better home than that yeah All right. Let's move into the two big injury notes of the week. The first is that Tristan Thompson is going to be out for about a month with a left calf injury, according to Sham Charania of the Vertical. He suffered it Wednesday against Indiana. Uh, you know, again, the early returns, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, it took a fifty-seven-point wonder kid performance from LeBron to have the Cavs beat the Warriors, and they still only beat them by eight points. So, Sarah Morton and I talked in depth last episode about kind of the Cavs' struggles and what they could do, especially to turn around their terrible defense. Now Tristan Thompson, their best rim protector, is out for the next month. What what do you expect for this Cavs team while Tristan is out? Is it just going to be they basically have to do the Rockets plan of like we can't defend you so we're just gonna have to outscore you every night
3: (laughs) yeah that's kind of it I was thinking too LeBron had 57 last night Uh, perhaps LeBron's gonna have to have 50 a lot more (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's it's not great Uh, yeah that's the thing I was thinking it it really stinks for Tristan and for the Cavs but at the same time it's like you know yeah, he's one of their, their only guys who can sort of protect the rim a little bit. But it wasn't good to begin with. And, yeah, it's going to get worse. But how much worse can it get at this point? Um, you know, this is a horrible metaphor, but it's kind of like if you put a wet paper towel over a colander. So, like, it would hold out sugar and flour and stuff like that. But now they've lost the wet paper towel, so it's just everything's getting through the holes. So, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I think... You know, (laughs) they're lucky they have LeBron. Uh, That's always true of anybody who has LeBron on their team. Pretty much play him at all positions. Try to throw him at the five, throw him at the one. He pretty much has to do it all, but that's always been the case. Um, Maybe it's more true now than it has been over the last couple of years, but, man. Yeah, I mean, their defense isn't going to be great. I don't want to call it a lost cause, but there aren't a lot of fixes internally at this point. So, yeah, focus on your offense, I guess. Try to help each other as much as possible on the defensive end.
2: Yeah, when, when we recorded, I believe it was Tuesday, right after we finished recording, we found out that the Cavs had one of their like mm. patented uh, team meetings mm. where they all had a big, you know, they, they let everything out in the open and then they got pounded by the Pacers the next night. So the win against the Wizards was a good sign, in some regard but as you said Sarah it might just take a bunch of 40 and 50 point nights for LeBron to keep this team afloat over the next month while Tristan is out because you know they, they started with the Kevin Love at the 5, Jay Crowder at the 4 thing they abandoned that very quickly, moved Tristan back into the starting lineup uh, against the Wizards they had to go back to that original starting 5 luckily their schedule over the next month or so is not it could be a lot worse they have games against the Knicks the Mavericks, Atlanta, Brooklyn. Uh, I'm so used to saying Philly is a walkover, but I guess they're actually <laughs> competitive now, let's <laughs> say with Detroit. but like they, they aren't playing aside from Houston and the Clippers, I guess. they aren't playing like the Warriors, the Spurs, you know, any of the like really tough top contenders. So they have an opportunity to get things at least a little bit tightened up. It looks like they don't have any back-to-backs. Uh, at the end of the month, they do, but they, they'll have a good amount of rest, which is good for a young or a, sorry, an old team, the oldest team in the NBA. So I'm not saying it's time to completely panic about the Cavs, but more. Last time we spoke, we uh, debated whether they should be dangling that Brooklyn pick in trade mm-hmm. talks. Does the Tristan injury make you change your stance at all?
1: I wouldn't um, make a a you know, an injury that's gonna last a month the determining factor in moving a first round draft pick. Because mm-hmm. that is that's not like that's just a, a time you know, poorly timed injury and it's gonna last for a month and that's about it. But, you know, trading a first round draft pick will have ramifications, you know, for years and years and years. Um, I, I, I think that LeBron's fifty seven pointer was a sign of the fact that, you know, we were kinda right. In going the whole Houston right uh, route, mm-hmm. you know that that's probably what they have to do. I mean, just look—we're kind of forgetting Washington scored 122. Right. It it <laughs> took Cleveland 130 to get that win, you know. Yeah. And and that's that has to be the prerogative now. It, it has to go. We have to go outscore teams. Like we have to go on the offensive. We have to get. You know, a shit ton of threes. We have to get to the line a lot. We have to put teams into you know the penalty very early, and all these things. Because how do you fix it? Like we discussed the last time, you don't fix the defensive problem internally. You only mm-hmm. fix it externally. And even when uh, Tristan Thompson comes back, it's still going to be a problem. So I my feelings about moving that pick hasn't changed. If you get a difference maker, sure, go for it, and then see if that gives you like one last shot at maybe retaining lebron after this year like one mm-hmm. last attempt but if you don't find the a proper market for it and you kind of determine you know what it's just not worth it then don't
2: yeah i i think that that's where i stand too and i just don't know i mean there there could be someone dangling on the trade market that we don't know about like Hell, maybe Demarcus Cousins is available with that Brooklyn pick. In which case, why not? Because LeBron's probably going to leave anyway. But uh, I just don't know what type of rim protector is available. Otherwise, like no, there's no Eric Bledsoe being dangled out there for big men. So, mm-hmm. uh, just especially on
3: your smaller lineups too. Like, see yeah. what you have there because the league is so so crazy right now. Um, something that's wreaking a lot of havoc is like. You know these teams that are young that we thought were not going to be good that are su- having some success, like the Pacers and the Magic, with you know popping their big guys out to the three point line and mm-hmm. just watching the last few Spurs games on their road trip. It's like LaMarcus is dropping back because that's what they've always done, and not thinking that he needs to jump out on Vucevic like he's Steph Curry. But yeah. you know teams are burning them that way, so it- it's definitely there. I, I think. The calves, yeah, it hurts. You still need a rim protector, but you know, maybe see what you have in a smaller lineup and see if you can guard some of these pop outs and then you know, yeah, teams will probably adjust by going back into the middle on you, but just just look at what you have because that is a, another way that teams are attacking a lot more now.
1: Would you yeah. guys start LeBron at center? Who
2: so it would be Derek R- the... Smith, Crowder. Yeah. Who's the who's the fifth? love
1: love it love it the four and then oh. LeBron as like a straight up center,
2: oh, like because just for defensive purposes
1: for defensive purposes, um, simply because when you look at this, this the, you know the center of the league today, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys aren't gonna you know bruise and bang him underneath the basket. They're not gonna just physically exhaust him. Most of these guys are like face up players who are you know setting picks and getting spot ops like he's not gonna be that type of guy who's gonna be burned by a lot of centers like he can leave a guy and come over from the weak side whatever and help i just i i'm kind of curious to see lebron in that center role
3: yeah if it's potentially a way to get him playing like free safety like you said or you can kind of roam and help it's not a bad idea
1: it's that true, would definitely be them, the right? the
2: end goal of yeah that he could yeah. roam free yeah. I just don't know if you want to put that much wear and tear on him this early into the regular season. Like if it was the playoffs, I would be more amenable to that. But like, but especially is it, though, the, what
1: is it putting a lot of wear and tear considering that he'll be guarding centers for the most? Yeah,
2: like, like imagine him against Joel Embiid. Well, okay, so there are a couple games. Yeah, sure. Don't do that, <laughs> <laughs> right? right. Like Andre Drummond, Hassan Whiteside, NS Kanter, even.
1: I'm not really concerned about the Enes Kanter types. Yeah, like, I get, I get the boogie stuff and the beat stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: E- even Hassan Whiteside, I'm not really. I mean, he's not like a natural scorer, and I do think a lot of those guys, if they see LeBron down there, they're still going to be like, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to think twice." Because LeBron, least we forget, is strong as hell.
2: Yeah, but like a Marc Gasol, I feel like he would just... Twice a year. Yeah. I, I mean, for I think it's it would be an option for them to consider, but also part of the Cavs, I mean, the regular season doesn't really matter for the Cavs. They're going mm-hmm, to right. make the playoffs. So like part of it is just figuring out lineups and combinations that work. And I feel like, at this point in the season, they probably want more experience with this Rose, Smith, LeBron, Crowder, Love, starting five. They want to see how Love functions as a center more. Like, they abandoned it very quickly. Um, But now they're kind of going to be forced into trying it more. So I think, you know, given the relative weakness of their upcoming schedule, that gives them the perfect opportunity. Like you know, against against in Atlanta. Like, I don't think you're that worried about Dwayne Dedman. So maybe, you know, I don't think Kevin Love is not going to hemorrhage 30 points to Dwayne Dedman. Against Milwaukee, like Thonmaker, you're not too concerned about him. Dallas, New Orleans, Noel is not going to put up 30. So that actually, their upcoming schedule is very friendly in that regard. I'd say the first, you know, they have Capella, but he's, Not a traditional post up big like the first really concerning matchup for their poor purposes. Charlotte on the fifteenth, and then the Clippers, and then yeah, they have a three game against Charlotte, Clippers, Pistons. So you have Dwight, DeAndre Drummond, but aside from that, like yeah, you get you get Charlotte and Philly and Miami at the end of the month, but then Brooklyn, you're not really. Are you Mazgov? You don't really care about Like, Mazgov is not going to light up Kevin Love. He's shooting threes now. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> he's playing like 15 minutes a game because he's still a corpse. All right, let's move on to the other big injury of the week. It is Larry Nance. He is out four to six weeks with a fractured left hand. According to Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, it, Sarah, I'm going to throw this one to you. Given that you're both our big man expert and our Western Conference expert, and the Lakers had a plethora of bigs anyway, that so they, you know, this shouldn't affect them as much as it would a team with no front court depth. But how do you see this affecting the Lakers for the next month?
3: Uh, y'all know how I feel about Larry Nance Jr. So I do. <laughs> It bums me out for sure, but like you said, then I mean, they have options. They've uh, got Lopez, they've got Randall, and maybe, and I think pretty likely we see more Kuzma. Mm-hmm. So, hey, that's exciting. I'm sure Lakers fans, while they also love Nance, are probably excited about the prospect of more Kuz. So, <laughs> it's not a bad thing to to get to throw him in a little more. He, I mean, he's definitely earned minutes. You don't want to see Nance go down, but. I mean Kuzma deserves to be out there.
2: Yeah, I mean, in their first game without Nance, Kuzma moved into the starting lineup, played thirty nine minutes, had twenty one points and thirteen rebounds in a win against the Nets in the revenge the D'Angelo Russell revenge game that <laughs> did not go as planned. Um more I wanna ask you about Julius Randle, because he's been He it seems like he started to find his niche off the bench, but the first couple games of the season, he was really like visibly body language wise did not seem all that engaged. Um, You know, now that Nance is out, he'll have more of a chance to impact the game off the bench in theory. But even in that win against the Nets on Friday night, he only played sixteen minutes. Yeah. Uh, What are your thoughts about him moving forward? Do you think he's like? Do you think part of his disengagement is, you know, everything surrounding him. He's in a contract year. He knows the Lakers' grand plans for 2018 with the two max free agents, and if that comes to fruition, that means he's out of there.
1: I think so. He seems to be playing very frustrated. He's mm-hmm. just he's reaching. He's picking up a lot of dumb fouls, mm-hmm. and whether that's demotion or whether that's the uncertainty of his future in Los Angeles, I'm not sure. But but it does I expected him to actually to come out way more aggressive, especially considering the weight loss and everything. He seemed so dedicated over the summer, so I've been kinda of surprised that he's seemed a little bit passive and well, frustrated out there. I thought he was gonna come in and, you know, go, I'm gonna show them and instead it's been sort of an up and down ride for him. But yeah, I do think he sees the writing on the wall, and even if they don't get you know, Paul George or LeBron James next season. I, I do suspect that the Lakers have poisoned that relationship to, the, to an extent that Randall might want out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's an interesting thing overall because we always talk about, you know, what players should go where and why. And the media is very focused on upcoming free agents. We rarely talk about those guys that are there. That are listening to all that and who ends up getting you know affected by it now we're mm-hmm. seeing julius randall we're seeing jill okafor feeling his whole career has just been messed up because oh we need someone better at the five or four and then joel Beads come back and he's dominating everything and yada 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 i think we're seeing a lot of these young guys who are getting sacrificed a little bit and randall is no exception uh, i would be very surprised if he's not traded Uh, at the deadline. I I predicted that previously. He's not a Laker next year.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, one way or the other, it seems like he is out because they'll have, I guess Nance will be going into his fourth year, so they'll still have him under contract in 2018-19. Kuzma's a rookie, so they have him locked up for a while. Like They have, regardless of what happens this upcoming summer, they have power forward pretty well set uh, without Nance. Or without yeah. Randall, sorry. So, like, in theory, this, this Nance injury gives Randall a glorious opportunity to make a big impact off the bench and boost his trade value and, like, maybe he finds his way out of L.A. near the trade deadline um, and he gets the opportunity to really start flashing before he hits restricted free agency because right now it's – I mean, it's tough. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Mort. Like, it does feel, and I said this to a Lakers fan, and they totally disagreed with me, but it, it feels very similar to the Philly front court situation for the past few years, like, where they had just too many guys, all of whom were, you know, whether, whether they were deserving of minutes or not, they all felt that they were. So there's only so many, many minutes to go around, especially when Nance comes back. It's you know, it's it's something to keep an eye on with Randall moving forward.
1: I mean Brooke Lopez, mm-hmm. their best player at this point, is playing just under twenty five minutes a game. Yeah. That that alone, I'm just gonna present that what art. Yeah, team. I know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well he was struggling for the first couple of games. Like the last two or three he's really gotten loose. He had thirty four and ten against the Nets on Friday. But before his last two or three games, like he, he just didn't yeah. Play that much, and he wasn't making a huge impact. Um, it, you know, this this Lakers team, they are they are better than they're not going to be the worst team in the league. I'll say that much. They'll be like a thirty-ish win team. Um, I, I guess should we I, we should I guess briefly address Lonzo Ball as well because he, aside from that game against the Suns, uh, where they just didn't play defense at all. He's been awful. Like, he's been really, truly struggling. And, yeah, you know, he had a plus 22 last night despite shooting 3 of 15 from the floor. I think he went 0 of 2 the night before. Like, he just hasn't been putting up big offensive numbers. Sarah, are you concerned about Lonzo Uh, moving forward? Do you think this, like, should Lakers fans be panicking that he's off to a slow start?
3: I'm not really concerned. I mean... When you asked me about him, I think last week I told y'all, like this is this is how it's gonna be? You <laughs> know, it's yeah. gonna be up and down. Of course, it's been more down than up so far, but you know, this shot is a problem, <laughs> legitimately, um, and and more so than that. I mean, I think I've seen quotes coming out from Kuzma and others that they want him to be more aggressive. So, I mean, you know, that might be a bit of a problem too, mentality. But I mean, he is who he is. Um, hopefully eventually they get to work on that shot, but they're not going to fix it, you know, this year. Mm -hmm. So if they do at all, so they're going to just have to deal with the fact that that is going to be really volatile. Sometimes it's going to go down. Sometimes it's going to hit nothing but backboard. You know, that is what it is. Um, Hopefully he can still find ways to get into the teeth of the defense and, and use his best skill, which is his passing. It, it, is difficult because, you know, you kind of need to be more of a scoring threat in order mm-hmm. to make people, you know, bite on you so that you can get your teammates open. But, you know, and it's a different situation in Philly with Ben Simmons because, yeah. you know, he he gets the ball on the break and he's large coming at people. You know, it's easier for him to suck in the defenses. But I still think that, that Lonzo can have a, a positive impact on the team. Uh, but it's it is going to be up and down. They're going to have to deal with growing pains. I don't I don't think that's unexpected.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm right with you. I mean, <laughs> I said it at the top of the podcast. It's really fun to troll Lakers fans, especially <laughs> in saying like Kuzma is better than Ball because they get really defensive very quickly. I just like I, you know, you know, you guys know how I feel about his father. There's a reason I call him Voldemort, and we do not say his name on this podcast. <laughs> I, you know, it he built up these unrealistic expectations fair or not so for Lonzo to be falling short you know I don't think he would be attracting this much attention if not for Voldemort's comments that said name the like I was trying to look at this the other night who's the last rookie point guard who put up good numbers as a rookie I'm not counting Ben Simmons because he's a, like, a 6'10 point guard, and B, missed his entire first year. So he, like, had a year to get up to speed with the game and get acclimated to the NBA lifestyle. John Paul? I, I was going to say Michael Carter Williams. Right. But, like, has yeah. there been someone since then?
1: Not off the top of my head, no. And I wouldn't even put MCW in that conversation, but that's because you know, the narrative changed.
2: Right, right. Yeah, and, and that that's kind of my point is like MCW, you know, we've had four years of rookie point guards since MCW. No one has put up what one would consider good numbers. And then look at what happened to MCW's career. So like for all of these guys to be slow starters, and you know, like Lonzo started slow, faults we've talked about before with the shoulder injury, so we can't really – got a good, like, a sample of him, but, I mean, Dennis Smith, like, flying under the radar but he's shooting less than 39% from the floor, Frank Ntilikina 31.3%, mm. De'Aaron Fox is playing well, but that's because he's coming off the bench, like, when he, in his one start, he was awful, like, this, this is just what happens, rookie point guards struggle, unless, you know, they're surrounded by incredible teammates or they're just in a up-tempo system that is built for them to take 20 shots a game like mcw back in his rookie year like i don't think it's time to panic for any of these guys because this is just part of the growing curve for nba rookie point guards it's just this this happens it's fine like we should have expected this and just because his father was bloviating on first take at ESPN and undisputed about how great his kid is and how he's better than Steph Curry already. Like, anyone who bought into that hype is dumb. He wasn't. And we all knew that. So why are we panicking nine games into his career when he's shooting 30% of the field? Like, we knew his shot. Going into the draft, his shot was the question mark. Like, we all knew it was ugly as hell. And it went in in a relatively small sample at UCLA for one season. We knew against NBA defenders he would have a harder time getting it off. Look what's happened! Like nothing. He's a great passer. Like that's already come to fruition. Great rebounder too. Yeah. Like he's a triple double threat. Yeah, he has not had one yet. Let it be noted. Meanwhile, Ben Simmons has two of them. <laughs> uh, but like he's gonna be fine. He's, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not panicking about him yet. But. Don't let any Lakers fans listen to this podcast because I, I want to troll them more on Twitter. I
1: I, I saw a, a I don't remember who put it up if it was a Lakers fan or someone trolling Lakers fans. But it was like <laughs> Kobe had his eighty one points in f- just under forty two minutes a game, and Lonzo <laughs> is at seventy nine uh, seventy nine points for the season and he's played two hundred and ninety five. <laughs> like I'm just i just oh. thought. I, it doesn't matter like yeah. you're comparing a guy to like a hall of famer who was in the prime of his career doing right. ungodly things like why would you use Kobe's 81 Porter to compare anything <laughs> right right like it's like don't just just give the guy some space but but yeah like we all know that Voldemort kind of just ruined the, his his opening season here for, the son, for his son and yeah yeah, I, I'm looking forward to Lonzo in year three and four. Yeah, seeing what kind yeah. of type of player he's gonna be. I'm still skeptical as hell, especially you know that jumper, the fact that he just can't go right and take you know a jump shot off the right and and the the low release point and everything. I, I don't think he's gonna be like a natural scorer at any point in his career. But, you know, writing him off is, is just ridiculous. Like, the opening comment I made in the podcast was just, like, for fun. And that was right. more of a compliment to Kyle <laughs> right. Kuzma
2: yeah. than anything because yeah. Kyle Kuzma is balling. He is. Yeah, it's undeniable that through nine games, Kyle Kuzma has been the better NBA player. But Alonzo Ball still has the higher ceiling. He's, like, and good so he for the yeah, yeah, like good for the Lakers for finding Kyle Kuzma late in the first round. Like that mm. both him and Larry Nance, they got late in the first round and both of those guys look like legit NBA rotation players. So like kudos to the Lakers scouting staff for nailing those picks. Those were both yep. great. But um <laughs> I just wanted to give a spirited uh Brittany fan defense of the rookie point guards here. Well you didn't <laughs> cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Lazzo alone no just just wait it's only because markel is out with his shoulder injury if he was actually playing through it i definitely would have broken down in tears today (laughs) Uh. (laughs) all right let's move on to uh something that sports illustrated's jake fisher reported this week apparently the suns you know they've shown life since firing earl watson and telling eric bledsoe to go home after his quote-unquote hair salon experience um they were you know we haven't heard much on the trade front since then ryan mcdonough their gm said you know basically whenever the timeline presents itself we're not in a huge rush uh jake fisher of sports illustrated reported that the suns Pelicans and Pistons were apparently involved in some three-way trade talks that have since died, but just to give you a sense of what the parameters were, Detroit would have gotten Eric Bledsoe, the Pelicans would have gotten Reggie Jackson, Phoenix would have gotten a 2019 first-round pick from Detroit, a 2018 first-round pick from the Pelicans, and then the contract of Alexis Ajinta and Omera Sheik as well. More, who do you think should have said no to that deal? Yeah, if That's any, someone, them, or yeah, or do you I think mean, the, it should have gone through? Like, do you like it for no, all three teams?
1: I, I'm, I'm definitely nervous because, you know, before we started recording, you and I talked about it very briefly, and and you know the fact that New Orleans would be giving up a pick mm-hmm. is troublesome because we just don't know where they are yet. That right. pick might come in handy and they are not the ones getting Eric Bledsoe, they'll be getting Reggie Jackson. Now on the flip side they would give up Ajinka Jinka and a Sheik getting two large cro- contracts off the books and replacing that contract slot with Jackson who is, you know, <laughs> objectively co- considerably more productive than those two. So that's a plus, but that would be a lot of guards for the Pelicans, whereas what they really would need was a three man. So if that had been Tobias Harris instead, mm. then we could have talked.
2: Yeah. But yeah. so wow.
1: so from that perspective, New Orleans should probably say no. I'm also kind of, you know, surprised. Phoenix being able to get two first round draft picks for Eric Bledsoe, given that the market we're seeing from Significantly better players getting traded this summer for virtually mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, good on you, Phoenix, if you get that. But wow, I wouldn't give up all that.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, they would be accepting a salary dump as a well. Sheik so. and Machinka, yeah. yeah. So it's but like, like they're
1: not going anywhere. So
2: right, yeah, that's yeah. exactly how rebuilding teams should use their cap space. And we don't yeah. know also. There might, you know, one of the one or both of those teams may have been trying to put protections on the pick, so maybe that's where talks broke down as well. We just don't know. I mean, it it seems like they didn't get far enough for you know, Woj or Shams or anyone to start breaking down details. But I think Woj did tweet that Suns and Pistons were involved in trade talks, so it's at least something worth keeping an eye on, uh, Sarah if you were, let's say it's just Suns and Pistons, would you do a swap straight up of Reggie Jackson for Eric Bledsoe?
3: I mean, I think <laughs> the Pistons would do that. <laughs> I suppose Phoenix, being that they seem to want to move on, yeah, I guess they both would do it. Um, Back to the original trade, though, I mean, I'm I'm like, you guys, do you think it it really makes sense? I guess it just really depends. (laughs) But, you know, obviously you're giving up picks. But I also just think Reggie Jackson, you know, granted, Jameer Nelson's not your point guard for the future, but he's been playing really, really well for them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that, you know, do they really have faith that Reggie, Reggie Jackson would be their point guard of the future either. So is it worth giving up the picks for it?
2: Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I'm with you guys in thinking the Pelicans, yes, they, you know, assuming it's a completely unprotected pick, it would be smart of them to get out of those two contracts, right. but Reggie Jackson, like, swapping those two for Reggie Jackson makes no tangible difference on their cap space next year. Like, his contract, his contract is the same size as both of theirs combined, so they're still in cap hell because they still have Drew signed for twenty five million a year, Anthony Davis for over twenty five million a year, Solomon Hill still on the books. Reggie Jackson would be at seventeen million, assuming they re-sign Boogie. That's it. Like they still aren't building out. They don't have the money to get anyone else. So, and,
1: and, and that's why it would it, it, that wouldn't matter if they, then they got like a difference maker at the wing slot yeah. instead of a point guard, like it doesn't matter if a team is in cap hell as long as that money's allocated correctly, but Mm -hmm. getting Jackson in there is just not doing it wisely. That would be a wrong way to like, say, you know, we, we are substituting this salary slot to a point guard. Well, you got drew holiday. You got each one more who's, you know, can play both guard spots. You have, you know, uh, Jameer Nelson. I was just forgetting his name. You have Ian Clark who can play the two as well. Like you need a small forward. Right. (laughs) Like, who's your small forward? Yeah, and... and... Oh, right, (laughs) Rondo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... And Tony Tony Allen as well. Like, it's... They are just loaded with guards. They need a legitimate three-man. Like, a clear-cut three-man. So, if this trade had centered around Tobias Harris, would... Then, let me ask you guys that. If Mm -hmm. Tobias Harris had been the guy coming back to New Orleans... Would you have made the deal if you were the Pelicans?
2: With a completely unprotected first round pick? Yeah. No. Yeah, it's risky, the, right? Yeah, I don't think the Pelicans are they're not gonna make the playoffs. But it would have like, made easier to swallow though if it had been Harris. Yeah, oh for sure.
1: But for
3: why sure. would Detroit do it though? Right. right. No, I, yeah, yeah, I Detroit get that. It was just
1: solely for, for you know. Gotcha. Yeah, right. Yeah. Unless that's
3: Brian's hypothetical. Sorry, I jumped off that. I'm assuming Phoenix would want more for Bledsoe, but I guess it just depends how much they just want to get rid of him at this point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it seems like if they could get anything of value for him, they will. They're just waiting for right. a tangible contract or a tangible trade offer that's not like two second round picks or like a top 25 protected first round pick.
1: You know, while we're on the subject of of this trade and the Pelicans who were involved with this, I I just want to address something. Like, a lot of people are looking at the, you know, the bookie AD pairing and going, oh, that's never going to work. You know, those two are actually functioning very, very well. Yes. So if those two are broken up at any point, it shouldn't be about, oh, they couldn't make it work. It should be all about, you know, the Pelicans not being able to put the right team around them. Mm-hmm. I have been so impressed with the way Boogie and Brow have played together. I mean, Boogie has just taken over this, you know, playmaking. He's averaging six assists a game along yeah. with 14 rebounds, two blocks, and 29 points. Yeah. Davis is at 27.5, 12 rebounds, two blocks. As well, they are playing so damn well together. It's just, it's even, it's a shame that they couldn't get like that third or fourth guy in there. And yeah. that should be the focus of it if that is broken up, because yeah.
2: credit to those two, a hundred percent agree. Yeah, I mean, it really sucks. Like the I, I understand why they want to get off of those two contracts because, like, yeah, more as you said, if they can flip it for, if they can flip that those two and get a wing in return, like that team is set up well assuming you can re-sign DeMarcus, but, like, mm-hmm. I still think you're most likely not making the playoffs just because there are so many good teams in the West. And if DeMarcus leaves, like, <laughs> you need to start thinking about Anthony Davis' future in New Orleans if DeMarcus leaves. Like, if they can't retain DeMarcus' cousins, what incentive does Anthony Davis have to stay there except for he signed for two or three more years
1: yeah no the, i mean it's a situation they put themselves in they by giving out bad dollars like to, right. to guys who should have solomon hill contract again i know yeah. i've mentioned it a, a, a ton but it's just such a concern he's not giving them anything and you know you have a sheik there a Jenga as well like ugh. here's the one thing i would say though drew holiday is not performing to the level that I kind of expected him to, given the money, given the money that he got, I would mm-hmm. like to see a little bit more out of him. Like, yeah, thirteen point nine points a game on thirteen point two shots, one point seven free throw attempts per game. You know, dear Drew, they paid your ass.
2: Step up, <laughs> dude. Right. I mean, it's it's tough. Like you have, it just the whole team feels very disjointed because, as you said, like. Boogie and Brow are both killing it, but then it's kind of just like a roulette wheel for, like, yeah. will anyone step up tonight? And you <laughs> spit the wheel, and it's like, well, no. Or <laughs> random, <laughs> random player A or B. Like, Jameer Nelson has had, like, one or two out-of-nowhere games. Like, Drew has a couple explosions. Dante Cunningham, out of nowhere, hits a three or two every once in a while. But it's like, there isn't a single guy... Aside from Boogie and Brow, who you can dependably count on every night, which sucks. Like, it's just... It, it speaks to, like, kind of the, the problem with roster construction, especially around... If you don't have... Like, if you're building around three max contract players, you need all three of those guys to show up every night. And, you know, we they didn't really have a choice in terms of retaining Drew or not, like if they if they let him walk, they weren't gonna have enough cap space to replace him with anyone good. Yep. But you have to wonder if they're if they're not having buyer's remorse already about that contract or if they're going to in the future. You know, nothing against Drew. Like he's a fine player, but when you've got guys, you know, on these old cap deals especially, when you've got Reggie Jackson earning $80 million when you got Eric Bledsoe. I think he's at like $70 million. 125 yep. for Drew. Eh, it's just, you know, things will balance out over the next couple of years once everyone gets on these new cap contracts. But for the time being, like Drew Holiday is their highest paid player this year. It's just, you know, and again, they've got $94 million already signed away next year. Not factor again, Demarcus Cousins. Like, yeah. they they're stuck basically. They they're gonna have if you can retain Buggy, you get the mid level exception to find yourself a suitable wing player.
1: Imagine if they had signed Seth Curry last summer.
2: Oh, instead of the Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. But then what do you do with Drew? Because they think he's better at the two guard spot. I mean
1: that would have been something they could have figured out. I mean, I'm just saying at this point the money they've given up for the talent that they have, that does yeah. not really compute.
2: Yeah. It's I mean, it it just sucks and I, I I hope that they can figure out a way to get a real wing player in there. Solomon Hill, he's is he out for the whole year? Or is he coming back at some point?
1: I'm actually not sure.
3: Yeah, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I want, I know he's out at least for. a It's couple it's months.
1: uncertain if he will return sometime in February, oh, okay. according to Basketball Reference. So you're saying Josh Smith isn't the answer,
2: <laughs> right? Like that's, I, I mean that's what sucks. Like they don't have. It, it feels kind of similar to the Cavs where it's like, the Cavs don't have anyone that's gonna fix this on defense, so you got to make a trade. Like the Pelicans don't have anyone who's gonna fix their three spot. Like they. Dante Cunningham is not going to turn into... It's not going to be like, oh, all of a sudden he is really good and he's going to be your every-night small forward. He's going to put up a consistent 12 to 15 points. It's just... You need someone, even if Brown and Boogie continue performing at the level that they are, which I think they will. You just need someone to be that consistent third option or you're going to have these nights where... Even though those two, like there was a game, I forget what game it was, but there was a game where those two went off for like sixty plus points, thirty rebounds, eight blocks, eight threes, yeah. and they lost. It...
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. That was ridiculous. Like, what <laughs> but do is you there do? a trade out there? Is there a trade out there that would make the Pelicans significantly better and, and more specifically, more streamlined in terms of their starting lineup? Is there? a forward on the market that they could realistically get through trade. And let's assume that we're also opening up the possibility of moving the 18 pick. Mm-hmm. Because I'm look when I'm looking across the league, I don't I'm not seeing like a a slam dunk deal.
2: Right. Yeah, for that pick probably not. I w- I would say like a guy like Will Barton but I don't think you move the pick for him because he's going to be a free agent. Right,
1: but he's intriguing at least. Like, he, right, he would be able to play like that wing spot.
2: <laughs> right, like he would be a, a market upgrade over what they're rolling yeah. out. But I don't, I, you know, for that pick, like you have to assume that pick is going to be in the lottery, possibly top ten. So it's what about TJ Warren? They just resigned him to an extension. I know, but they have Josh Jackson waiting in the wings. Yeah, I I was surprised. I I honestly did not see that coming. But yeah, I mean, if for whatever reason, I know T.J. Warren just suffered a head injury Friday. So, knock on wood, he's actually first and foremost okay because he had that one last year that sidelined him for a month. And
1: oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. He did. So so that's a returning. Yeah. Okay.
2: Right. So let's hope first first of all, let's hope he's fine to you know yeah recover yeah. quickly, but. Yeah, I mean that's that would be a guy actually that I'd be intrigued by. And I, oh, would you give up that pick for him though? If you could dump one of those salaries and get the pick, I would give up the pick for Josh Jackson. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> and I'd <would laughs> give up more than that. But not I mean, right. I'm
1: right. not sure. I'm not sure I'm giving up the pick for TJ Warren with with protection on it, like you said, probably. Yeah. But it had to be like the right protection
2: like top what projection would you want top top seven yeah that seems that seems reasonable actually yeah because yeah top top seven
1: because the draft is like five man five to six men
2: deep i was gonna say it's way early to already be you know projecting the draft class and figuring out... Well, right,
1: the, but there are always like a couple who stands yeah, out, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, like,
2: right. The top-tier guys, it seems like it's... There, there's a clear-cut top five or six, and then yeah. after that... There will be values, obviously, because there always are, but those, like, really, truly elite, like, Doncic, Porter, Bagley, Aiton, Bamba. After that, it's, like, Miles Bridges, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So, we'll, we'll keep an eye on... Just general Pelicans trade rumors, Phoenix and Bledsoe, all that good stuff moving forward. I'm sure uh, just a reminder that the deadline, or not deadline, but players who signed as free agents can't be traded until December 15th, so that may open things up. Uh, Aaron Bledsoe may remain in purgatory until then, unfortunately. Uh, But hopefully we'll see some action there in the coming weeks. Let's wrap things up as always with our crush segment and these are players who deserve more attention than they're getting in the national lamb light Sarah, I'm going to start with you. Who is your crush of the week?
3: Demado Sabonis. Nice. Mm. That was a God. good one. Yeah. <laughs> he's just he's looked really good to start the year. Um unfortunately he didn't have a great outing against his former team in OKC, which I'm sure, you know, he would have would have liked to have, but um you know, and the team as a whole has been up and down to start the year, but they've mostly been kind of a pleasant surprise. They've already beat the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Cavs. He's averaging a double-double. Uh, he's shown that, you know, he can finish off the roll. He can hit the the mid-range jump shot. He's hit A3 so far. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's a there's a possibility there that he can even be a bit of a stretch big. He has a really nice two-man game developing with Oladipo. Um He's passed the ball well. They they're putting him in position where he's he gets to do a lot of handoffs, but he also kind of gets to play make a little bit from the elbow sometimes. So he he just looks like a nice all around player. Um, happy for him, <laughs> especially since you know last year both he and Oladipo didn't really uh, I don't know I'll say they got a little bit of the short end of the stick in their situation. Uh, but I also along with Sabonis, I just wanted to shout out as my crush, the entire Sixers team. Hey! (laughs) Because, let's see, let's look for the stat. From The Athletic, Rich Hoffman. Sixers are over 500 for the first time since November 9th, 2013. So, congratulations, Sixers. Well done.
1: If Brian was in charge of our salaries, he'd give you a raise immediately.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just the saddest stat ever. You're above 500 for the first time in four years. I feel like a Jacksonville Jaguars fan right now.
3: (laughs) It is amazing
2: yeah yes thank you for for shouting them out that was i mean if they didn't have that meltdown against houston they'd be riding a six game winning streak right now it's like they they pissed away that game and then they were like okay let's never lose a close game again so they <laughs> they have somehow conjured some late game magic for the last couple of games it's been nice to see uh mort i <laughs> i already know who your crush is so go ahead
1: He's been averaging 20.8 points per game over the last four with a uh, in, in just 27.8 minutes, mind you. So his production is insane. He's been stepping up defensively. He's been efficient from the field. My boy, Donovan Mitchell. So, yeah. I mean, you can laugh at me all <laughs> you want about my Donovan Mitchell love. But he's been proving my ass right for at least four games now.
2: Yeah, yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, he—he, he, none of us ever said he was going to be bad. We just—no, I do. He, yeah, right, right. You your do. your rookie of the year, Donovan Mitchell, was what we made right. Hey, of.
1: it's still alive, Brian. It's early. If it's, he keeps on yeah. doing this, yeah. But is
2: going to break his foot again?
1: Oh, let's hope not. That <laughs> yeah. no. was just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I actually have another crush, and that's Andre Drummond's free throw shooting.
2: Yes. <laughs> that's a good one.
1: And you know what's funny? About a year ago, I actually had that same crush because he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And immediately after I had that, his free throw shooting went into the shitter. <laughs> oh, so no. con- consider this an experiment. Oh, no. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> Lord, why would you do this to him?
1: Because I just want to see how much power I actually
2: have. <laughs> is this because he spurned you that one time and then? No, no, <laughs> no. That was that was
1: that was his publicity team. <laughs> but no, no, not I, I like Drummond. so I'm, I'm just I'm just testing out my powers X Men style here to okay. see if I have any sway. So I'm I, I'm gonna compliment him for hitting Jesus damn near seventy eight percent on four attempts a game so you know we talked about most valuable player and we mentioned danny green and stuff like that because he began to dribble the basketball actually Mm -hmm. if andre drummond makes this kind of leap from a free throw shooting perspective like should he also be in the conversation just because he fixed such a weak part of his game
2: I, I I mean, n- not only that, but it's gonna enable him to be on the floor in late game situations, whereas before Stan Van Gundy would pull him off because he mm. didn't feel comfortable until the last two minutes of the game. He had fourteen of sixteen Friday night, like a career night from the line. I mean it's it it seems to be a real thing. I don't want unlike you, Mart, I don't wanna jinx it. uh I have Oh, it, I don't I, want to. I'm just testing it a little bit <laughs> I have him on my fantasy team at work and uh I would really like him to continue surprising because he's actually been one of the best fantasy basketball eyes of the year so far. He always fell because his free throw shooting was so bad, but like he was always a top 25 player aside from the free throw shooting and now he's actually hitting his free throws. So it's been great to see. I mean, and Only frankly, missed eight. yeah, it should it gives hope for like all of these big guys who are troubled at the line. Like it's not it's not a complete lost cause. Like Shaq and Dwight Howard don't have to be the rule. Like maybe Andre Drummond is the exception, but maybe it's a sign that, you know, with he he's talked about not only like, you know, he did like the VR training and things like that, but it, it sounds like a lot of it was mental and, you know, maybe t- NBA teams are just getting more advanced with the sports psychology side of things. So maybe, mm-hmm moving forward a guy like Clint Capella as well could start knocking down 60 to 70 percent of his freebies maybe mark oh, wasn't Fultz? he
1: already doing that he like, was to start the season he was pretty hot starting the season at least yeah
2: he was to start I don't know uh I mean He's he said 80 there you go yeah uh, I mean hell maybe Markel Fultz could actually hit a couple free throws who knows pairs up Um, I'm not going to comment on that one. Yeah, please don't. Don't make me. (laughs) Everyone should read Ken Berger's piece, by the way, a Bleacher Report. He has one about Markel Fultz and just kind of what a shit show this whole thing is. So, we're not going to talk about it again because we dove in length on Tuesday. But, read read Berger's piece and uh, be nice to Sixers fans on Twitter. My crush, going back to the Sixers, I have to shout out JJ Redick because... You know, the Sixers caught a lot of crap for giving him so much money on a one-year $23 million deal. It's early, but damn, he is worth every penny so far. (laughs) It's just, it is unreal to see this team, not only with, like, a consistent three-point shooter, because Robert Covington is also, I mean, he's hitting almost 50% of his threes. But Redick, I mean, especially against the Pacers on Friday night, He went 8-of-12 from deep. One of them was just the most off-balance, horrendous-looking shots you could imagine. Just like shot clock was winding down. He was trapped behind two defenders. And he kind of just dove to the right and took the shot and nails it. And did like the MJ shrug afterward. (laughs) I mean, pairing him and Covington with Simmons and Embiid. I'm telling you guys, if you haven't watched the Sixers yet... They are a fun bunch this year. Their defense is horrendous right now. And my wife, Alex, and I were watching the Pacers game last night. And she's like, Joel Embiid looks like he's about to die out there. He's so... (laughs) And she's a doctor. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. So she had some, like, warning flags about how, I guess, you know, he he has said he's out of shape. But, yeah, he's still working his way back. So hopefully their defense improves as the year goes on. But, I mean, the Sixers, for the last four years, have been the most offensively inept team in the NBA by far. This year, you know, they're not good by any means, but they're 18th right now. So, kudos to Brian Colangelo for getting Redick in. Kudos to Brett Brown for working him into the system and just unleashing him as a three-point shooter. It's just been so much fun to see. So... Uh, yeah, they it we... <laughs> just had to get that one in there. I'm kind of uh,
1: surprised people were down on the signing based on on the one year salary because he was the fourth member of that team in LA. You know, the, you yeah. call, we all called it a big three. That was a big four. Yeah. He was training 200 triples a year for him, and just allowing Chris and Blake and DeAndre to play the the way that they did. So I was I was never on board. You know, the anti reddick train and i never got it then and i certainly don't get it now and and if people are still on it jump jump off that one and get on board on the actual reddick train because dude is a sniper and he's even he's even playmaking a little bit more this year that caught my eye he's starting mm-hmm. to actually set guys up he didn't do that in la like he was the designated shooter like he was the guy you you ran plays for now when he he gets the ball, and he's actually making decisions now more than he did before. Like, mm-hmm. I looked it up. His assist rate has doubled, or his assist percentage has more than doubled, and his uh, turnover percentage remains the same. Like, that's mm. considerable.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Sixers as a whole, their passing has, and ball movement has just been sublime. Like Yeah, yeah. Uh, really uh, has. Molly Sullivan, she was saying it's on the post-game broadcast, so, and I'm going to screw it up, so I, I don't want to don't take me for my word, but I think she said the Sixers on Friday became the third team. I think it was Houston and Golden State were the other two, or it might have been San Antonio, Sarah. I'm not 100% sure, but the only two teams or the only three teams now that have had 30 or more assists in back-to-back games. Like, ben, I mean, again, Ben Simmons is my perma crush. I'm not going to ever nominate him as my crush of the week because that's just not fair, but... <laughs> he, he is my permanent crush of the week of the year they are, it's just he breathed so much life into this team that I mean the Sixers lead the league in passes made per game right now and they're second in assists per game it's just it's been fun so yeah check out a Sixers game see JJ Redick bombing away from deep uh, It's, <laughs> we'll see how they fare they've got a rough upcoming stretch so we'll see just how seriously it take them Uh, so that's actually going to do it for this episode of the nba podcast just a reminder that you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod you can find all of our twitter handles in our bio so give us a follow as well you can also find us on itunes so please subscribe download leave some reviews we love any feedback and you can find us this year on fanrag sports so check them out on twitter at fanrag sports and for their nba content at fanrag nba Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You too, Brian. You too.
0: And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what man. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
1: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or
2: situations. Of
1: all the sounds you'll hear this summer... This might be your new favorite...